Hey, happy July 4th. Thanks for tuning in. We're in this series called Parables. Parables is a story. And we're looking at how the stories of Jesus impact the stories of our lives. Jesus was a master communicator, a great storyteller. Charles Dickens says one of his parables, the parable of the prodigal son, is the best story ever read, written. And Charles Dickens says Jesus was the best communicator ever. It's hard to dispute that. And he told these stories that made people think about their lives and think about the kingdom of God and think about earthly things. And that's really what a parable is. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And it would mean they would put a real-life situation aside, a heavenly truth, to get us to think about what it looks like to know God, follow God, and live in the world. About a third of Jesus' teachings were parables. He told stories. And the one we're going to look at today is probably one of the most famous, if not the most famous. The prodigal son is one. The other is the one we're going to look at today. And Jesus told a story that was prompted by somebody asking a question. And almost with a very Socratic method of answering a question with a question, he kind of responds this way. On one occasion, an expert in the law. This wasn't like a lawyer on traffic laws. This was an expert in the law on Scripture, the Old Testament. An expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Jesus wasn't taking a class from this guy. They were trying to test him to figure out, are you really who you say you are? And to test him to say, we want you to prove that you're not who you say you are. So he's trying to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus got that question a lot. What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He's asked a question, and he fires back, returns volley, and asks him a question back. Here's what the guy says. The expert in the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And he was quoting there from the Old Testament. He's an expert in the law. And he was quoting Deuteronomy 6.5. And then he adds this other one. And love your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting Leviticus 19.18. And so love God with all. Love your neighbor as yourself. They knew this is what the law required. This is what they knew God asked of them. And Jesus said, you got it right, you answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Then the expert in the law suddenly doesn't start trying to ask Jesus, are you really who you say you are? He asks him another question for a whole other purpose. He says this, but he, the expert in the law, wanted to justify himself, make sure he was good, make sure what he was doing all right. He was building a case building a belief system, building a theology that would support the way he was doing things in life. Trying to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? This was simply a question that was looking for the boundary. This was a limit-seeking question. How far do I have to go? How many houses down the block? Who actually is my neighbor? Because I don't want to do any more than that. What's the limit I have to go to to still be okay? And then Jesus responds by telling a story that takes away the limits. It's the most famous story, uh, one of them, that Jesus told, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a term we hear in pop culture and in everyday life. People use that term Good Samaritan all the time. Jesus is the one who told that story. Brilliant storyteller. 
He answers the question with a story. In reply to the question, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, about a 17-mile trip that changed 3,000 miles in elevation, very windy, very rocky, lots of dangerous parts of the journey. And as he was going, there were lots of places for people to hide. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. And then they went away, leaving him half dead. And he goes on to say this. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by on the other side. They went out of their way to stay away from the person in need. And the priest and the Levite, priest, you may kind of know what that term means. Levite, you may not. They're basically very, very similar. They both worked in the temple. They were preacher types. They were religious leaders. They facilitated worship for others. And their heavenly occupation made them no earthly good. They saw a need and they stepped around the person in need. And then an unlikely, unlikely hero shows up that's the hero of the story that would have shocked people then. It's not shocking to us because we don't feel it the way they do. But to select this person to be the hero of the story was outrageous. But a Samaritan. Well, what, who's a Samaritan? So the Jewish people had people that had split off in the kingdom at some point in their history. There was a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. And one of the kingdoms started marrying people from other belief systems and other uh, religions, and they were told not to do that, to stay focused on God and don't do that. But they did it. And so a lot of the Jews who were, had stayed pure to Jesus, or excuse me, to God and following him and living in Jerusalem, looked down on the Samaritans because they considered them uh, outsiders. They were, had a little bit of Jewish heritage, but not all of it, so they forfeited their right. They looked down on them. They despised them. They thought they were religiously unclean. As a matter of fact, when a Jewish person was robbed, if they were in the story and it was a Jewish person, it was often a Samaritan who might have done that. At least that's what the, the Jewish people then would have told you. They couldn't be trusted. They were outsiders. They weren't fully committed. And so for that person to show up as a hero, took people off guard. And Jesus does this a lot in his parables. He tells someone that the star of the story isn't the person you think it's going to be. It's lost on us sometimes, but you need to understand, Jesus is going to great mile to emphasize this is an unlikely hero. And as the Samaritan traveled, came where the man was, he saw him just like the others, but he doesn't go to the other side. He goes to the person. He took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. That was a, a type of antiseptic that they would use then. Then he put the man on his own donkey. So now he's not riding anymore. He's walking. So the other guy can ride on it. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, stays with him. He doesn't just drop him off and say, good luck. The next day, he took out two denarii. That's basically two days wages. If you worked for two days, this is what you would have earned. And he gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, 
I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Notice something about this story he tells. As Jesus tells the story, all he tells us about the priest and the Levite is they saw him and they went to the other side. But for the one he singles out as the hero in the story, the Samaritan, he goes into great detail in all that he did to care for this person, to look after him. And then Jesus turns to the expert of the law who asked him the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus wants you to think about this question too. He, he really does. Jesus wants you to think about who is my neighbor? Who am I walking past that I shouldn't be? Who am I overlooking that I shouldn't be? And so when he asks this question to him, he's asking it to us too about who is my neighbor. He says this in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He's not just asking that to see if you were listening to the story. He's asking in your story, who are you going to be? Will you be the one who sees it and walks away? Or who doesn't see it because you're looking away intentionally? He's asking in the story of your life, who will you be? The expert in the law replies, which one was the neighbor? Or the neighbor? He says, well, it's the one who had mercy on him who saw the need, and it may not have been how he felt, but it's definitely what he showed. It's definitely what he did. So Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. Be that person in the story. Be the one who doesn't go the other side, but who goes to the side of the person in need. It really, he gives us a very simple way to apply this. First word is go. Take steps to approach others in need. When you see something, look and keep on looking and think, what could I do to help? What could I do to care? What could I do to show mercy? But the first thing the guy did was go. That's what's required of us to be a good neighbor. We go. We don't wait for it to come to us. We go looking for the need. We don't walk around it when we see it either. We go to the problem. And that's inconvenient, isn't it? And for the Good Samaritan, it was costly. It cost him two days' wages and then some. It cost him time on his trip. He wasn't just out for a joyride. He was trying to get somewhere. It cost something when we go. And that's the next words, do. It cost us something. We do something. We take action to meet their needs. The question would be, what could I do to meet a need here? A lot of times, we can't meet all the needs, but we can meet some needs. We can do something. That's what being a neighbor is. Then the third word, go and do likewise. Jesus is the example to follow, and he's the standard. How do we care for others? The way Jesus did. See, as Jesus told this story, the people have been following around going, that's Jesus. Jesus would be the one who would stop and care he did it all the time. And his ability to meet needs was much greater than ours. Think of the ways he met needs. He fed hungry crowds. He healed people who couldn't see, who couldn't hear, who couldn't walk. He loved people. He, he forgave people who other people had written off. He challenged people to step into God and follow him wholeheartedly. Like, he was caring for people in so many ways. And that's the standard. Not the Samaritan in the story 
But the storyteller is our standard for how we love and care for others. Jesus would say it later to his disciples this way. John 13, 34, 35. A new command I give you. Love one another. Well, that's not a new command. Love your neighbor as yourself. We know that goes way back to the Old Testament. But he's saying, I'm giving you a new command. What's new about it? The standard. As I have loved you, says Jesus to his disciples, so you must love one another. Jesus says, I'm the standard. But better than the standard, I'm the example. Love others as I have loved you. This is why it's so important that you connect with how deeply loved you are by Jesus because that will help you deeply love others. And the disciples were a bunch of knuckleheads. And I bet there were days where Jesus loved them, but he didn't like them. I bet there were days he'd want to roll his eyes and go, really, again? But he loved them. And he challenged them, and he stayed with them. He called them to morning, called them back, and he, he gave them responsibility. And he, he, there was just so many ways that he modeled out for them. And you can almost hear when Jesus tells his disciples, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. They could have easily asked the question, well, who's one another? Who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love the way you love me? But they'd heard the story already. They knew. Don't ask that question. Because Jesus said, who's my neighbor? Yes. Who's the, love, the one another I need to love? Yes. It's everybody. Whoever you think it may or may not include, the answer is yes. They're your neighbor. The thing is, this was someone who was traveling past someone on a trip. And two people passed, drove past them, walked past them, didn't stop, went to the other side. But one did. This isn't just if someone is on the side of the road with a flat tire. This isn't just if you see someone who's been beat up by robbers and is laying on the side of the road. This is any time somebody is on your radar or should be on your radar. That's your neighbor that you need to go. You need to do. And you need to do it likewise. Love as Jesus loved. And as Jesus is telling this story, this wasn't just a story to tell and entertain. This wasn't just a story to be heard. This was a story to live out. And so as the disciples probably might have thought, well, well who is the one another we need to love? Is it just like in our little group? No, it's everybody. They knew the answer to this question because they remembered that story. And that story wasn't just something to entertain. It wasn't a night at the movies, as Jesus tells a parable. It was a story for, to live out by each of us, every day, everywhere, with everyone. This parable, known by so many, could easily be argued that it's lived out by so few. We have, we have flashes of Samaritan-like being good and loving our neighbor. But if we're honest, there's probably some times we're like, I'd step around this one rather than step into it. I don't want to go and do likewise. It highlights how we have this thing in us where we want to put limits on our love. We put limits on how we love. We put limits on who we love. And Jesus is a limit-breaking, a limit-destroying Savior. 
who says, as I have loved you when you were at your worst is how I want you to love others. Inviting them to more, giving all that you have and all that you can to serve and love them. Jesus says that there are no limits when we love as Jesus loves. And in this parable that Jesus told, there's a collection of attitudes of everybody in the story. To the expert in the law, the the person in in need in the story was just a subject to discuss. It was more of an educational or a theoretical concept. To the robbers, it was someone to use and exploit. And we have a lot of people that want to use and exploit people in our world. To the religious travelers, the priest and the Levite, it was a problem to avoid. To the innkeeper, it was a customer to serve for a fee. But to the Samaritan, it was a neighbor to love and to serve. And the great thing about as Jesus told this story, we know that we're supposed to love beyond the limit of what we think is who it should include and how we should do it. There are no limits. Extra mile love. Jesus-like love. But the thing is, is that other people in the story, the heroes, the ones with the black hats, the one who's the villain who asked the question trying to trap Jesus, the people that were so-called religious leaders that were stepping around the problem, the villains in the story, the robbers, I mean, all of it. Jesus loved people like that too. To every character in this story and every character in his story, to G- for Jesus, all of us, all of them, and all of us are worth dying for. That Jesus came to say, I want to show you what love with no limits looks like. At your very worst, you get the love of God at its very best. That he came looking for you. He didn't step around you. Even if your wounds were self-inflicted by bad choices, which we all have wounds like that. That whether you made a bad choice that left you on the side of the road, and maybe somebody else came along and added to it with their bad choices, a lot of us feel like we can identify with the victim in this story being left half dead on the side of the road. Jesus comes looking for people like that. Jesus comes looking for you. And he says, I want to show you love like no one else can, and that I want you to give love like you think no one may deserve. A love without limits. A love that goes looking, a love that goes the extra mile, and a love that looks a lot like Jesus. How different would our world be if we lived that way? The problem is, not everyone's going to choose to live that way. I can't change the world and make them love that way. But I can change my world. I can change my world and say, I'm going to love that way. And there are people I'll love, but I don't like. There are ways I need to love that I don't like. But Jesus said, I want, to sh- I want you to show this world a love without limits. And I love what he says here is, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. And it's not so we can let people know, hey, I'm a disciple by how well I love. That's, that's what happens. It's how we show we're a disciple of Jesus, by how well we love others. A love without limits, a love that looks a lot like Jesus. But when we love that way, the goal is for people to see that there's a God with a limitless love. That's what our goal is to do as disciples. 
to love others that way? Who is it that it's hard for you to love? Where is there a place where there's limits on your love? A who you love or how you will love them? Jesus told this story to break down the barriers. And here's what he said is most important. Never forget this. The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. To say it another way, love the Lord your God with all, all that you have. Because that's what your God gave to you in Jesus. He gave you everything. And he asked for everything in return. It's the great exchange. I give him my life. He gives me his. That is a great deal. And it's not just focused on loving God. It's loving others. This is what it looks like to live. We have this challenge from Jesus to go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Take steps. Take action. Have Jesus be the standard and let him work on those places where you hit the limits and like, I can't love this person or I can't love any further. I've done enough. Jesus talks about extra mile, limitless love that he demonstrates. And maybe your next step is just to let God love you, to accept his love. Maybe your next step is to go out of your way looking for someone you know that's in need and see what you can do to help. Whatever the case, it all starts with this great storyteller who tells a story because he wants to change your story to step into God's love and be loved and served by him and to invite you into doing that for others. When we truly understand the stories of Jesus, it'll change the stories of our lives. How will it change your story this week? Let's pray together. Jesus, there are people in the world um, that are hard to love. Help us to have limitless love, to have Jesus-like love, to love people the way you do. And Lord, give us the courage to, to do that, but also give us the courage to step into you and let you love us, to change us from the inside out. God, thanks that you came looking for us and that you love us with that kind of love. And eventually we're going to hit a limit for how well we can love others. Father, whether it be through telling of a story or the work of your Holy Spirit in us or the example of Jesus, God, break down those limits and unleash your love, not just to us, but through us in this world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Next week we're going to continue with parables. Talk about another one, another story of Jesus that will change the story of our lives. And we're going back to our normal format. We were online only this week, our hybrid format. So format will be in person, 9.30 and 11 a.m. here at Live Oak. And online, 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m. or 8.30 p.m. at Live Oak After Dark. Thanks for joining us and happy July 4th.